to another edition of Wrestling Makes the World Takes. It's yours truly, CB, alongside my main man, the one and only, my number one caperoni with drum roll. AD. What's happening, caperoni? It's going good on? to see you. Another week, we're ready to go. We got a lot to talk about. What's happening, Captain? Just ready to dive in, you know? Let's dive right in, <laughs> head first, like Kendrick Lamar, like dive in the pool of liquor. I was right? like more Michael Phelps, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. You can tell where my head is, you know, looking for a good time all the time. Um, but uh, we're excited to be back with the jam packed show we got for you tonight. Uh, but uh, let's kick it right off. We're talking a little WWE. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, some interesting oh, yeah. things going on. So, And some questionable things that we have to talk about, which I love. Some controversy, because it just makes for good conversation. I love some controversy. So let's just kick things off. We're, just, we're coming off of the Crown Jewel show. Uh-huh. And so give me your thoughts on, on another... Saudi show kind of in the books. What do you what give me your I thoughts mean, on Crown Jewel? What do you think? It definitely brought some money in, I'll say that. Uh just a little bit. I yeah, I think they said it the I think they said the four Crown Jewel shows that they've done have brought in more than any double than any WrestleMania mm-hmm. in history. Like, yeah. Combined. Yes. Like all I mean, thirty something. It editions. makes sense why they keep doing it. Um as far as the actual show though, I thought it was alright. It had some really good moments, but then some moments were just Kind of eh, like you know, big letdown for me. I think was the Brock Lesnar Bobby Lashley match. You know, they hyped it to be this big, like you know, big meat match. Like big we meat, like to say. Yeah, big meat. Uh, like a big meat car crash, mm-hmm. and you know, it was more of like a big meat fender bender. I would say. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Brock Lesnar was maybe phoning it in for the paycheck. Yep. I don't know. It was almost like you're getting a Goldberg uh, crown jewel match where it was just you know, not good. Could, yeah, and I could see that. So. Do you think that's the end of the line for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, or do we think nope. they kind of dragged that out a little bit? I think we see it again because, you know, especially since it didn't go that great, there might be more to it where they want to revisit it and give the fans more of that car crash. We want maybe that's the direction they go at WrestleMania when they bring, you know, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley back out because there'll be more eyes on that match probably since they'll be in the United States, whereas Saudi Arabia was in the middle of the day. Um, so maybe not as many eyes were on that match, especially with sports going on. Um, so maybe they revisit it on a bigger stage where it's in the U.S. and more people have eyes on that match. Yep, I could see that. Or even dragging them out a little early at the Royal Rumble. They got a big stadium to sell out down there in San Antonio. They do, but you know what? I think they're going to save that the big spotlight for one special person that night, and it's not going to be one of them. Okay, one special person. I love but, it. you know... I think going back to the crown jewel, I, I would say my probably favorite moment of the night was probably the women's uh, last woman standing match. I think that's what stole the show. You know, it was produced very well. You know, at any moment you thought one person was going to win, it was kind of nice back and forth. You know, a lot of dramatic moments in it, um, and I thought they did a great job with that match. And that's that's what we talked about a little bit last week uh, with suspending belief. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to do that either on a microphone or in a ring mm-hmm. where you forget, we all know the circus behind wrestling. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a show, it's entertainment. But when you're in it and you're feeling the emotion and you get invested in it and you get lost in it, that's the great mm-hmm. thing about it. It's magic. Mm-hmm. And it makes you forget about everything else. And you just, you're dialed into the, you've invested emotion into the performers. It's, there's nothing like it. And I think, too, with that match, too, this is, I see this one as Triple H's first big long-term storytelling 
is going with this Bailey and uh, Bianca Belair storyline. I think this is his big first long story one, whereas you haven't seen it in you know many of the other areas uh, throughout the roster. So this is like the first one that's really going long term, and you're going to see it continue at War Games as well. Um, so I'm curious, you know, is War Games going to be the end of it, or is it going to culminate elsewhere this feud because it's really been going on for a while now which is nice to see some long-term storytelling because we haven't seen much of that in a long time in wwe um which when triple h run nxt we saw a lot of it so it's nice to see it get brought to the main roster finally and i'm curious you know uh where this you know feud between the two of them does end up and culminate it's it just makes it more special Mm -hmm. uh, another thing I like what they're doing is they're making the titles, once again, feel special. Mm -hmm. Some of them, at least. Maybe not the women's tag titles, but no. the Intercontinental title, I feel, is a night and day presentation. Oh, absolutely. What it was the last several years where it was like The Miz every nine minutes and yep. somebody else and, and just think, back and forth. And I think now, Seth, with the U.S. title, you're going to see that same kind of prestige that the Intercontinental title has developed with Gunther. I think you're going to start to see that now with Seth as the U.S. title uh, holder. You're going to start to see that finally develop. Um, hopefully, we can get to that with the women's tag titles. I feel like, you know, in the Triple H regime, you know, it, that title has still been kind of lackluster, whereas, you know, it, it was under Vince, and we thought with Triple H it was going to get the more prestige it deserved. But, you know, recently we've had too many title flips going on. We haven't had anyone get, like, a true, like, dominant run, which we thought Damage Control was going to get with Dakota Kai and Eos Guy. Why they went the route of taking the belts off of them before just to put it back on them, I honestly don't know. I'm not sure either, and uh, that kind of pivots into what I also wanted to talk about a little bit. Under the Triple H regime, I thought they were going to give a little more um, time and attention to the women's division, the women's tag division, to where they have that long-term storytelling. So I want to bring up Sasha Banks, who's kind of teasing something big happening, and we don't know where she's going to end up, because we don't really even know what her contract situation is. I assume yeah. she's still technically under a contract with WWE, and yes. have they made amends? I don't know. She kind of teased a little bit on social media. She was in Boston, which happened to be Dynamite, but yep. that wasn't the case. So what do you think happens with Sasha Banks? So I see it kind of two ways with Sasha. I can see her taking one of those empty war game spots and that woman's match was still available. Or if she were to leave her debuting at full gear for AEW, i probably see more so the war games angle uh, just based on the rumors, I know I saw she was under contract for a while still, and you know, November this November date was never rumored as a date she'd be free unless you know secretly she got released and we just don't know about it. Um, so that's why I see more so the WWE angle where she comes back at War Games now, whether it's with Bailey, which I don't think it would be. I think it would be against her, um, in my opinion, because you know Bailey's kind of got her own thing going now, and you know Bailey Sasha against each other has always been magic as well. Um, it so it'd be interesting, you know, like a nice little, like, uh, in-your-face to Bailey at War Games if they went that direction. You could, or they just keep teasing out a little bit longer and have her debut in the Royal Rumble match. Mm -hmm. Now, if you notice the women's Royal Rumble match going on last, you know something big's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be, like, a Sasha return. Yeah, I mean, I believe right now in the match there's still uh, two spots open on Bianca's team right now. Um, so they could even throw Naomi in there, too. As the tag team, you have Sasha and Naomi come back in together. 
into that War Games match, and they're the next challengers for damage control for that tag title out of War Games as well. So, you know, that's a possible angle I see happening as well, because, you know, even since Sasha and Naomi both left, you know, you always see them together outside WWE doing all these red carpets, doing all these events. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come back in and just be injected right into the tag team scene, because it seems like those two really have a bond together. That would be electric. Mm -hmm. If they showed up, like, as a surprise. Yep. That would be absolutely electric. I, I think we'll see them this month regardless, in my in my opinion. I, I think we'll see them. I don't know if it's going to be this month, though. I feel like just not yet, but that would be something, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, we will see. So, But the challenge with the flip-flopping of the tag titles, it's, it goes back to the same issue that reason why Sasha and Naomi left in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, do you think that improves... Or are we going to just keep recycling the same kind of challenges again? Oh, that's a tough one to say because, you know, the women's tag team division has always been something tough because it's always been these teams that have just been thrown together. You've never really seen, like, a true women's tag team as much that's developed uh, till like, Damage Control. Say they've kind of, you know, were introduced as a tag team. Um and, you know, every single challenger's kind of been thrown together. Like, Alexa and Asuka were just thrown together. So, I think that's the tough challenge. Something they need to work on is having women's tag teams in the company, like, pre-established and have them get good runs together. I think that can definitely help with the legitimacy of the women's tag titles because you're getting true tag teams holding the belts versus, you know, these thrown-together teams, which was the problem we ran into, you know, with part of Vince's run, you know, you had the Iconics who initially took it. That was a great, true tag team uh, that held it. But besides that, you didn't get too many. Um, so I think that's something they definitely have to focus on. I could see Sasha and Naomi as a true women's tag team together. Um, so that's why I could see them being, the, you know, the next ones to go against Damage Control. Maybe they have a nice little feud there. Uh, but that's definitely, I think, what it's missing is you know, having those true tag teams. Because in the men's division, you rarely see those teams that are thrown together. Like, you have your Usos, you have your New Day, you have the Viking Raiders, who are back now. You have the Brawling Brutes, which were a tag, newer tag team that were established. Um, so when you have your tag team matches, there's legitimacy to, legitimacy to it because it's true tag teams going against each other, whereas the women, it's, like I said, just people who are thrown together going against people who are thrown together in most cases. I agree 100%. It's like if you're looking at it from a sports angle, mm -hmm. if you're an NFL team, you're not going to just throw together anybody. You're going to put together your, yep. the best that you can find and put it's a team. It's a team effort. Exactly. So rather just like kind of scrapping these teams together, yep. like, like it, put some time and investment in it. Get us to care about them. Mm -hmm. And it'll work. I mean, you look at tag team wrestling over the last decades. I mean, the last five years, you had The Bar, and you, ten years before that, you had The Dudley Boys, and The Hardy mm -hmm. Boys, and Edge and Christian, and leading back to the early 90s with The Rockers, and you had Demolition, and you had The Road Warriors, and this goes on and on. You care about you had you invest in these teams, and that's what makes yep. tag And I think even going outside the tag team division, you know, they need to do a better job with the women, you know, developing more stronger women, because it seems like the only women that are viewed as stronger ones are either the champions or the women that are heading into the title picture. You know, there's not that one, like, consistent woman uh, who's consistently good. Like, for example, you look at, you know, AEW, uh, Britt Baker, who's constantly that consistent top woman, even though she's not in the title picture right now. I think they need to work on that more so as well. 
uh, and but more focus on other people besides their champions and championship matches. Yeah, and it goes back to we talked about it last week on the show with Britt Baker and Saray. You don't really need the women's title. Yeah, you know? they could stand on their own too. Like you, you have that. Mm-hmm. Inve- we have that investment in them. Yes, as, as you, characters. If you build them up the right way enough, you don't need to have a title in the match. Yep, I hundred percent agree. Sometimes people make the title. Sometimes the title makes the people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people need a little boost from having that title. And uh, and some people don't. And, and some it. of the great matches in history have not been title matches either. Oh, 100%. I mean, some of the greats, like Robbie Piper, never held the world title. Uh, many others, too. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but also coming out of Crown Jewel, uh, another shining star. I mean, I'm shocked I'm even saying this. But Me, too. Well, the main event, Logan Paul and Roman Reigns just tearing down the house together yes i was you know pleasantly surprised what logan paul could do i mean you kind of got little glimpses in his you know previous match he's did uh in the past but you know this time you could really see the work he's put in um and he honestly really put on a show he i think he did a superb job uh given you know the limited time he's had in the ring you know he looks pretty advanced and like he's actually taking it seriously um you know i was ex- i extremely impressed did not expect to see that Hundred percent, and I I don't even consider him. At first, I was like a uh, he's a celebrity just mm-hmm. doing a gimmick, a celebrity match. But no, I think he's a legitimate athlete, and yeah. he was good. Did a phenomenal looking buckshot lariat. Oh, that yeah. spot that he did off the tops of the table was just pure yep. insanity. Yeah, um, and the fact you know he tore his whole knee up pretty much, and just kept going. You know, just shows how tough he is, and you know. That's something a true wrestler would do. So, you know, he's demonstrating he could be a true wrestler by, you know, toughing out something like that. Because most people could, you know, possibly give up on the match in that celebrity role. Most probably would have said, I'm done, I can't finish the match. But he gutted through it and yeah. gave it his all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's in great shape. I mean, you just imagine, like, you know, like those those two brothers. Someday they're going to sit down and be like, do you know we, like, somehow worked our way into fighting Floyd Mayweather uh-huh. and wrestling in a wwe pay-per-view main yep. event and i'm curious it's now like if uh jake paul you know dips his toes in the wrestling water um but you know i don't think he'll do as well as logan though honestly I yeah i don't know i mean they're both athletic i mean jake paul has proven himself as a boxer not yeah. out like legitimate yeah well you fighters. can definitely tell by the uh the punch he threw at crown jewel he definitely needs to do a little training because it wasn't so great the punch he did uh yeah but obviously, he doesn't have any training like his brother does. Uh, but I don't still don't think he'd be as successful as Logan in the ring. I think Logan's a little more uh, athletic than Jake. Uh, I agree, but I think if you send him down to Orlando, the Performance Center, for a couple of months to for like a WrestleMania tag team match, yeah. I think they'll. What I've noticed about those guys is when they get into something, they they go all in and they like invest. To make out themselves like, hey, we're not a joke. We're going to, like, legitimately put on a show. Yeah, you know, something interesting could be a good direction to go is, you know, have him maybe face, like, Solo Sokoa in a match because, you know, Solo Sokoa is, like, that hard hitter match kind of guy where I could see Jake Paul, that could be in his kind of style, the hard hitter, because, you know, he's advertised as this boxer. Um, So I could see that as an angle they go with as well for a match, possibly. Yeah, for sure, I could see that. Uh, The the only issue now is Logan Paul is out for some considerable amount of time after tearing his ACL, MCL, Mm -hmm. and whatever else he tore in his knee. Yep. Uh, So it's a minimum six months. Longer than that, probably. Nine months, depending on how... Since his whole knee, yeah, probably at least, I would say, ten even. Yeah, so we might not see Logan Paul for a whole other year at this point. Yeah, so I wonder if they just dip the toes in Jake now. Could, but... 
We could. Jake makes so much money boxing, you know, why give that up for wrestling as well? Exactly. I mean, it's a little safer to do it this way. Uh, I mean, boxing, you're legitimately getting smacked around by, you know, professional no. athletes. Well, you have those conspiracy theorists that say his matches are all rigged anyway in the first place, so... Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so um, we'll see. I think in maybe towards the next year, you're going to see... Definitely Logan Paul back in the ring, and uh, I would not be surprised at all if, if we see Jake Paul. It's definitely not the last you'll see of him in the ring. Definitely oh, for sure. And it's pure money, too, because it's publicity. If you get the Paul brothers in a tag team match, like that's you're going to get you know eye, eyeballs on it from social media and you know PR standpoint. Yep. Um, so kind of keeping going, uh, wrapping up Crown Jewel a little bit, this is actually one, going into Survivor Series... We talked about this off-air, but the changes to the pay-per-view schedule to where this is one of the final pay-per-view events, or premium, the PLEs, the premium yeah. live events, they call it now, uh, for the year. So wrapping up the Survivor Series. Well, give me your thoughts on the way the pay-per-view ch- uh, schedule has kind of evolved a little bit under the Triple H regime. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of interested in the final direction he's going to go because, you know, you've heard all these reports of him scrapping all these pay-per-views that we don't know for sure what's getting scrapped, what's not getting scrapped. Uh, I think it's honestly better for them to go to a more limited premium live event schedule because it allows them to, you know, really focus on the stories, allow it for a time to develop, you know, this way it's not rushed anymore, uh, where you had your monthly live events, I mean, sorry, premium live events, some stories were just rushed, matches were thrown together, spreading it out allows there for more storylines to develop and then people really be able to focus on character work and, you know, be able to sink their teeth into a great story with someone. Uh, so I kind of like them going to a more limited schedule versus the monthly one. Uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, back when with the original brand splits where, you know, you had some pay-per-views where it was just like a Raw exclusive pay-per-view and a SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view. You know, you really start to see with that you had some, you know, development in these stories until um, the recent brand split where they went just everyone's at every pay-per-view. Um, so that's why I would like to see them go to a more limited schedule. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually kind of shocked that they're doing it. Uh, with Nick Khan, he's looking for any kind of opportunity to expand the business possible. Yeah, yep. and we've seen that last year, adding the last two years, adding the the day one pay per view. Yeah, and moving a lot of the big pillar shows to stadiums. Yeah, uh, and to dial that back a little bit and do less shows, I'm shocked considering. At this point, it's not really about pay per view buys. It's yep. because they have the Peacock deal. It's all about the gate. Um, but you would think more opportunities for more gates uh, that they'd still do more shows. And I, At one point, they're doing like 16 pay-per-views a year. A and I think ago. the reason they decided to do this is because of the success of Crown Jewel, for example, and then the success of Clash of the Castle that they had as well. Uh, I think their bigger events you know, have really started to grow even more. You know, Even think about it going to WrestleMania. It used to be one night now they expanded it to, do, to two. So it kind of picks up that weight of what they've lost in the other things as well. So I, that's why I think they could go that direction because their other their big pay per views carry so much weight that you know it kind of could offset that potential loss in money because they're bringing in so much from it. Yeah, and and you got to think about it. it's it's doing more with less. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get potentially more money. I mean, to you've already rented out SoFi Stadium mm-hmm. for. Like, I'm sure it's a minimum one week just to, like, for the setup. Yeah. And, yeah, you have to get in there and set set up and build the stage. And then the night before the show, it's just sitting there. And you already have the ring set up. So why not 
sell another hundred thousand tickets. Yep. And what sells these events too is you know emotional investment in the fans. And when you're doing these bigger events where they have more time to develop these stories, you're going to get more emotional investment from the fans, and more fans are going to be there to see what's going on. Whereas when you have these monthly ones, like, ah, it's just another premium event. If I miss it, no big deal. But, you know, I think it's a good way to really get fans, like, re-engage and have the higher attention level to want to go to these shows because it's going to be a bigger deal and there's going to be more to these events, whereas it's not that monthly format where it's just thrown together last second, kind of. I agree, and I, I was, I'm actually a big fan of doing away with the gimmick shows that kind of just co- took some of the prestige and steam off of uh, some of those premium gimmick matches, like yep. Hell in the Cell, Elimination Chamber, TLC matches, um, and even the last couple of years uh, with uh, some of the other ones that they're doing, but... It's, it's almost just like, all right, they're not special anymore. It used to be okay. special. Absolutely. They did a hell of a cell match. Yep. Special. Oh, the Money in the Bank. Now they're, they're they're I guess they're toying with moving that back to WrestleMania, maybe scrapping the pay-per-view event. We're going to talk about Money in the Bank in a second as well. Okay, I'm interested. <laughs> but uh, it's good because it's like, all right, bring them out when they make sense. Bring a TLC match out when it makes sense with the right people not having... Yeah, one year they had Triple H versus Kevin Nash in a TLC match. Like, come on, yep. come on. This is a Hardy Boys match. Edge and Christian. Like, um, yeah, do a Hell in the Cell match. When you got a bitter feud where they just can't stand each other, you got to lock mm-hmm. them in a cell to really end it all. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, fat they could trim. You know, the only special one I could see standing to is Elimination Chamber because that's been made such a big deal for so long. I would like to see them keep that. Uh, you know, it has lost its meaning, I feel like, in recent years, the Elimination Chamber match. So I think, you know, they need to get back to it having more meaning as well. I agree. I want them to, you know, I want them to bring back the original Elimination Chamber from 2002, mm-hmm. where it was legitimately dangerous. Oh, It was yeah. legitimately made of steel. Yeah. And everybody just literally was just, like, ripped apart. It, it was chaos. It was pure chaos. I mean, now they've modified it to where it's a little smaller uh, there's padding on like the outside. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's a little more uh, worker safe, but I mean the original concept. I don't think they over. I don't think they put too much thought into the no. construction of it. No, not one bit. Uh, because I mean, there's some documentary interview they showed Booker T and Triple H in the crowd talking about the match, mm-hmm. looking at it, and Booker T's reaction was, "Somebody's getting fucked up tonight." <laughs> <laughs> and he so, was not wrong. Yeah, he was not, and uh, so we'll see. Uh, I'm a fan of less is more. I like when it's appointment TV. It's like, oh wow, there's a pay per view on. Let's block out the schedule and yep. call the Caproni, come over and sit down and watch it. Um, so when it was like every other weekend, I felt like there was one. It was just like, all right, if we skip this one, it's not a no big deal. deal. Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm a fan of the appointment based television and building up those feuds and having big blow off matches. Um, so kind of kicking gears a little bit, uh, let's talk about Austin Theory. Going back to Money in the Bank, uh, I'm going to say this is one of probably the biggest berries I've ever seen in a guy. You know, when Vince was in charge, you know, the jetpack was strapped on and Theory was shooting to the top. And then since Triple H has uh, come and taken over he's pretty much just you know like poked a hole and emptied the fuel out and just let theory nosedive straight from the sky down right into the ground uh you know i was very surprised they had him cash in the money in the bank on the u.s title of all things when he could have just showed up the open challenge yep and 
lost in it as well. You know, I'm very curious why that's the angle they went with. I mean, I do agree Fiery winning with Money in the Bank probably wasn't the best idea because, you know, you have Roman Reigns, who's such a hot champion. Uh, you know, the person that's going to beat Roman, you really want to make sure you establish them as well. So you don't want to have them beat Roman, and then Theory just comes rolling in and takes the title right away. So there really wasn't anywhere to fit in Theory winning that title. Um, so it made sense him not winning it. But just the way they, they've treated him recently, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, personally, I've never been a fan of his main roster gimmick. Um, I don't think it's main event worthy. Um, it's more like a mid-card thing I could see right now. Um, for me, maybe even, you know, maybe he needs to go back to NXT and get a little more seasoning. Oh, wow. cause you really he, buried him. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of his character right now. He, there's, like, you know, there's no edge to it, I feel. It's just, like, he's this cocky guy, you know, who's all about himself. Um, and it's just kind of been boring lately. Like, there's no, like, character development in that character. It's kind of stayed stagnant for a while now. Um, that's why, you know, going back, I had originally liked the idea of him cashing in at NXT and winning that title because I felt like that would have been a good way to him to continue to develop that character and successfully, you know, cash in that money in the bank. But they decided to, you know, bury him, you know, six feet under, you know, ha held the funeral and everything for him. And, you know, who knows when he's going to resurrect himself. And not even win the U.S. title. It just makes him look silly. It's like, yep. why on earth would you cash it in? For the mid-card title. Yep, and you had Seth Rollins just get the crap kicked out of him. It was like ba barely walking, and, you know, had Bobby Lashley get involved to cause Theory to lose the match, you know. Whoosh. It just looks... Yep. I would rather even just cash it in against Roman and lose, because yep. at least it's like, all right, you took a shot and you lost. Yep. But you still, like, all right, you, you lost to Roman Reigns, which is a respectable thing to do, but yep. it just... When you cash it in for the U.S. title, you just look silly. And, and when you lose. And then you lose. It's just like, you know, it's obvious. I, I, I question the booking decision. It's like, all right, why would you bury the guy so far down to where you just, like, yeah. you're wasting... Because you make theory look like an idiot. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, why would you do that? It's one thing you make him look weak and lose. Like, get, like one year they had Baron Corbin get squashed when yep. he cashed his yep. money in the bank, and, which is fine. But why would you just destroy the guy's total like credibility like yeah yeah because for theory how do you come back from this now you know from the you know the low he's at now i would say uh on the main roster how do you come back from that you know i'm interested to see where they go with him from this but you know who knows with how triple h's been treating him you know he could just be a mid-card guy or a guy that you barely see like we don't know well, it's obvious. It's obvious that this is part. This is a sign of the regime change. You can see it because obviously, where we were in April mm -hmm. when he was in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. Yep. And now, he is now uh, trying to dig himself out of a hole, a big hole that might be kind of impossible to get out of. It's definitely one of the bigger falls we've seen in the history of the company. I think for you know, especially someone so young too. That's the thing is I I don't know what Triple H sees in him or who did he piss off backstage I don't know something happened for him to oh uh, yeah but I mean even going back to when Theory's in NXT you know when Triple H is running it Theory was never one of their top guys you know he had his 
thing with the way where he wasn't the top guy in that faction as well. So maybe Triple H just doesn't view him in that high of a regard, and that's why, you know, he uh, unstrapped the jetpack that was on uh, Theory's back. Not only unstrapped it, but, like, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be curious to see what they do with him. Uh, I mean, he's got a good look to him, and he's young, but yes. I don't know if the charisma is there. I see the potential in it. I just don't think the character's right for him. We'll see. Maybe it's time for a repackaging. It's like, almost like a Tyler Breeze spinoff gimmick he's doing. Yeah, um, with the phone and the look at me kind of Exactly. Mentality. So that's, I think, you know, that's not a champion-worthy gimmick to have. He There's got to be something else that elevates him that he can have that, you know, says, I'm a main event guy, you know, take it or leave it. Right now, you know, it's not that for him. So uh, it'll be curious to see what happens to uh, Austin Theory. Uh, best of luck to you, sir. That's what I say. You need it. You oh, need boy. It. You deserve a beer, sir. So <laughs> kind of uh, speaking of main event worthy gimmicks, and we'll go into our final topic of the show here. Uh, but what? give me your thoughts on Bray Wyatt. It's been back for a couple of weeks now. Uh-huh. And kind of laying the groundworks for uh, a big in-ring return. Yeah, uh, but he's uh, doing kind of a it's almost like a hybrid between all of his former mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was interesting characters. at, at uh, Crown Jewel we had the segment where you know uh, he goes back to that Bray Wyatt speaking from the heart again um, and our old good friend and new friend Uncle Howdy shows up saying you know just give in uh, pretty much to the darkness you know give in to the fiend you know, just don't take the mask off this time if you're worried about you know hurting people um, and then we saw this week on SmackDown, you know, him and LA Knight have a little thing start going where, you know, you started to see Bray kind of embrace that darkness where, you know, he, you know, didn't come with that talking from the heart. He came in a little angry, gave LA Knight the headbutt, which I'm curious now, is that going to be his first big storyline? Is, is it going to be with LA Knight? Um, and I'm, you know, very interested to see where that goes because LA Knight, you know, since uh, Triple H came in, has been doing a great job. You know, they got rid of the stupid Max Dupree uh, gimmick he was in. Um, and he's been doing a great job on the main roster. So I, it's a very intriguing possible first feud for Bray Wyatt. And one I definitely did not see coming as well. Yeah, and I almost wish that they didn't go this way. I wish they, because I like L.A. Knight. And I think he's got a lot of potential. But you know if they're going to put him in front of Bray Wyatt, they're not going to like take the steam off of Bray Wyatt. It's exactly. almost like Bray Wyatt when he debuted with The Fiend. They put mm-hmm. him in there with Finn Balor just to like swallow him whole. Yep. Or, you know, maybe they find a way to use this to help elevate L.A. Knight as well. Uh, you know, especially maybe, you know, especially with mic work as well. You know, we know Bray's phenomenal on the mic. L.A.'s great on the mic as well. You know, it could have potential to help elevate both of them as well, this feud. It could. But where do you ultimately see the first big feud for Bray Wyatt. So this is obviously like an appetizer before the entree. But what do they do with Bray Wyatt come Royal Rumble WrestleMania season? Well, so since you're on SmackDown, you figure it's got to be a SmackDown guy. Um, hmm. The world title picture is kind of booked. You know, right something now. I'd be interested in seeing them explore is Drew McIntyre. I'd be very curious about that. Um, part of me wonders if it's going to be the Bray, you know, going through old feuds he's had with other people and kind of, you know, reigniting those with the new version of Bray. But something I'd be interested in is maybe seeing him with, you know, Drew McIntyre, even Kevin Owens as well. Uh, those are feuds I'd be very intrigued because we haven't really seen that with the recent Brays. Um, so that'd be something interesting I'd like to see. 
I like the idea of Kevin Owens for sure. I think that'd be fun. We haven't seen that, and I just think the promos back and forth, and I think the the physicality of the match could be really good. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, they'll get you emotionally invested. It's almost like a theme yeah. of the show. I feel and like I, we have a theme every show yeah. now, and I think it needs to be with a top guy as well because Bray's a top guy, so you don't want to have him take on someone smaller. Which you know maybe they go that route to slowly build him up as you have him gradually take out these mid card guys and work his way up to the top. Or they just have, you know, go big fish hunting right away. Um, because I know a lot of people had said with the Fiend character, you know, it was hard to work with the Fiend because you knew the Fiend was this dominant character. The Fiend had to dominate the match. So I'm curious if they kind of stay in that realm with this new Bray character or you're going to have more back and forth matches in this new realm of Bray. Um, so that's something I'm also very interested in as well. Yeah, it could be. Like uh, if they're going to go... Sort of back to his, like, 2015 mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt yep. uh, kind of character a little bit. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I I just hope they just do him right this time. Yes, they, I hope so, this too. This is, like, a rewrite. And I think with the way this character is set up, you know, you can have a lot of long-term storytelling with it, whereas before with The Fiend, I feel like there wasn't much of that. Um, but I feel like with this, they can because, you know, if it's this gimmick like we all speculate where he's going to, you know revisit all these old characters of him there's really so many directions you can go so many different stories you can have with the different versions of bryce so you can really see the potential of long-term storytelling or with the fiend you know you could see it but you know it never really came to fruition yeah and i agree and somehow i mean he hasn't been in the ring in a year and a half Mm -hmm. so there's gonna be a little rust there so i think having a little bit of a a light like quick squash match yep on pay-per-view to like get him and even going back to his match with the Fiend, you know, you really didn't get to see Bray's true ring in town, I feel like, because the Fiend had to be such this dominant character that he really only had, like, this dominant move, say, to really get to see Bray's true, you know, in-ring talent. So I'm curious to see, you know, what is what is the move set going to be like? Is it going to be that Fiend style? Or are we going to see that old Bray style going back to, you know, uh, the old Bray? Or are we going to get a hybrid of the two together? I'm very interested in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess some kind of hybrid. I wonder if he's going to even wrestle with the Fiend mask or if he's going to do like how Finn Balor once in a while would show up with the faint, the demon paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, it, it, it'll be curious. I just hope that they do it right. Whatever they do, just do it right. They could do, they could do whatever. They could do old Bray, new Bray, Fiend Bray, you know, whatever. As long as they just, just build them up to look strong. Absolutely. And don't have him lose right away. And just have him, like, lose, but make it matter when he loses. Not just like, oh, he put him in a Hell in a Cell match against Seth Rollins, and it ends by knockout or something. Yep. Just and, like, you know, we'll he's it. our current title holder, too. So we have our next uh, title episode coming up soon, which everyone t- tunes into. Uh, so we have to find out, too, is he doing enough to keep our title as well? Uh, we will find <laughs> out, because at this point, uh, we will have to discuss... Uh, with full gear now in the rear view. And War Games coming up. And War Games coming up. After War Games, then we'll be able to kind of like really paint the picture of is Bray Wyatt holding on to the uh, lin- the WMWT lineal undisputed heavyweight mm-hmm. championship. So definitely stay tuned for that episode, everyone. Yes, for sure. But at this point, I think we're out of time. But uh, mm-hmm. we're in the meaty season of the, the oh, wrestling yeah. season, as I like to say. Uh, a lot of cool stuff, and I'm excited about it. So... Um, but it looks like we're out of time for this time here on Wrestling Makes the World Takes with Cabaroni. It's been real. It's Until real. next Fest week bro. again, a little best by, you know, let's do a little scissor you, I, I action. I hope you have too. a very uh, week. Uh, you, uh, yes, <laughs> we're going to get a little oozy as we always do here on uh, WMWT. Uh, but 
Get at us on social media. We love to interact with everybody. Uh, and get us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it. Uh, gramophone, record player, whatever. You, whatever, <laughs> you're, you're probably there. Morse uh, code, maybe? Who knows? Morse code. And if you want to get a glimpse, get a glimpse. Uh, check us out on the YouTube channel uh, or the Instagoogles or wherever you want to find us. Uh, Wrestling Makes the World Takes. Uh, but until next time, I'm CB. AD. He's AD. Uh, we'll see you next time on Wrestling Makes the World Takes. Peace. Thank you.